Welcome, everyone, to the Tuesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, as always, Tyler Crawley. Hope you had a great weekend. I know. I'm, one day I'm going to do a Monday show. I promise it's going to happen. <laughs> Three-day weekends all the time here on Markets and Mortgages. But we're going to start with a big report, the biggest report, because usually Monday's not a lot coming out. Uh, but one of my favorite reports we got this week, and it was on Monday, and that was the Black Knight Originations Market Monitor Report. And the reason I like it is because it looks at rate lock volume, which I look at as a bigger indicator versus the weekly report that we get from the Mortgage Bankers Association looking at mortgage demand. One, of course, looking at much different parts of the process. Rate locks, I think, are just a better indicator of what is happening in the mortgage industry. And not surprisingly, rate lock volume was down 11% in June. And well, this was the third month in a row of decline. So month over month, as I said, down 11% in June, which means that rate lock volume is now down 41.2% when compared to June 2021. And which do you think is the biggest reason for the drop in rate lock volume? Refis. Yes, you would be correct. Refis continue to be the loss leader thanks to a 13.2% drop in cash out refis and a 9.1% drop in rate slash term refis. And cash outs, and rate slash terms are now down 42.2% and 90.4% year over year, respectively. 90. I mean, I'm still kind of surprised that when you have rates that are, I think this report had rates up 263 basis points from the same time one year ago. The fact that we've seen a 263 basis point increase the fact that refis aren't down, or I should say uh, rate refis or term refis aren't down 99.9% is somewhat impressive in a way. Uh, the refinance share of the market is now just 18%, the lowest point since at least January 2018. And so that means that purchase activity, while still a large part of the market, 82%, was also down for the month, down 10.8%, and down 15.6% year over year. So, I mean, that's, I still think, somewhat of an impressive number, which is somewhat similar to what we've seen with the mortgage demand, uh, or I should say the mortgage demand reports from the Mortgage Bankers Association. It's around there. It's between 20 and 15%. So it's, it's very close to this number. So a lot of times these reports are similar. I just like this report because I think it's a little bit stronger of data. And yeah, I mean, once again, purchases are still, I would say, very strong considering what we've seen happen with rates. And once again, according to this report, up 260 some points, basis points from last year. Down only 15%, that's... Impressive, to say the least. Uh, And here's the good news, if you're looking for some in this report. The good news for investors 
And I would actually argue the overall economy is that this slowing activity has not caused a drop in lending standards. So that's one of the concerns, right? Because originations are drying up. There's no doubt about that, especially refis. And so some firms, especially the ones that have made all of their money these last couple of years on refis, you might see them say, okay, we got to find a way to get more volume. And one of the ways to do that is lowering standards. And the good news is that's not happening. At least not yet. (laughs) It's not happening. The average credit score for purchases was down just two points to 730 in the month of June. And this is only one point lower than where we were one year ago. And then rate term refis were actually up three points from May to 734. And that is now two points higher than the same time last year. So we're actually seeing an increase in rate term refis and purchases are barely down. Now the one negative of this report were cash outs. Cash out average scores fell five points to 693. So they're under 700. They were under 700 the last report and now they are under 700 again. That is 35 points lower than the same time last year. So cash outs are seeing a big drop. And that is a little worrisome. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. I don't like seeing that because you know the people who are going to cash outs. Because let's face it, if you're doing a cash out right now, you need that money. And so more than likely, the fact that those credit scores are dropping, it's because people are like, you know what, we're, <laughs> we're we, they may be in financial trouble. And so that's why they need to tap the equity in their home. Now, of course, how widespread is this? Well, it's not. I mean, we saw a tremendous drop off. It was the biggest drop month over month. So we're seeing fewer people engaging in cash outs, but the ones that are, are probably somewhat desperate. And you don't wanna see that. And so it is a good thing that that number is falling to people that are going towards the cash out route. If that number was jumping, and we were seeing the credit score fall, that would be a red flag. But the fact that that number is falling along with the credit score, it kind of makes sense in that scenario. Now, Scott Hatt, president of Optimal Blue, said that the originations market, I mean, it's taking a hit, as we all know, because of these significantly higher rates. He said in a statement, the month's data illustrates just how interest rate dependent the originations market has become. We've seen the rate term refi market dwindle to next to nothing with increasing downward pressure on cash out activity, which I think is a good thing. Purchase volumes are driving 82% of all origination activity, and those volumes are on the decline as well, even during a time that's traditionally somewhat a active home buying season. Eventually, equilibrium will return, but as of June, the market seems to be having trouble adjusting to a rate environment anywhere above the historically low levels we reached during the pandemic. So I would say that personally, what I took away from this report, the big takeaway, once again, according to me, was the evidence that falling demand might finally be impacting home prices. Because, I mean, let's face it, for a while, We've seen demand dropping. Uh, I almost said credit scores. <laughs> Mortgage rates 
are increasing and we've seen no hit to home prices, not even close. I mean, zero. <laughs> We're still looking at record year over year home price growth. But this, well, there could be some evidence. Could be some evidence that there is a decline happening with home prices or home price growth, I should say. And so the average loan amount fell by 8,000 from last month, 351,000 in June. This was the second month in a row of a drop in average loan sizes after a $3,000 drop in May. Now we of course have barely seen a decline in home price growth. Better get a pullback in prices. <laughs> but it's important to remember that most, and I would say all, of the home price data, like the big reports, you know, Case Shiller, FHFA, uh, you know, CoreLogic's home price, I mean, all of it, it's all lag. There's a lag. I mean, Case Shiller's probably the worst. It's three months behind. And so here we are looking at June, and we are seeing loan amounts fall. And it reminded me of what Selma Hepp said. She, of course, is an economist over CoreLogic who said they are expecting, quote, a rapid deceleration in the rate of growth over the coming year. So it's not surprisingly that we might all of a sudden see home price growth slow and then it's going to slow very quickly and then it's going to hit a brick wall and then we may actually see a pullback by the end of the year. I mean, that would be my prediction is that we will see 0% year-over-year price increases by the end of fall, and then maybe by the end of the year, we may actually see a pullback in prices on a na you know national level. That's what I'm talking about here is national data. Other markets are going to move faster. Other markets are going to move slower, but nationwide, end of the year, maybe see some pullback in prices. But most of the people that I follow do believe that there's going to be a quick deceleration when it comes to home price growth. I mean, we've, we've been dying to see just a decline and we might then see a lot more very, very quickly. So this could be a sign that that is going to be happening. Here's another sign that that could in fact be happening. This is a report from Redfin that says across the country, nearly 60,000 home sales fell through. This according to an analysis, once again, by Redfin. That was equal to 15% of transactions that went into contract that month, the highest share of cancellations since April, 2020. And Remind me again, what was happening in uh, April 2020? <laughs> in fact, actually, the worst month was March 2020 when the you-know-what hit the fan. 17.6% of home transactions fell through. Now, in June 2021, when buyers were waiving contingencies and flooding into open houses, the number of canceled transactions fell to about 11% of contracts entered that month. So to me, I mean, that's actually kind of amazing. You know, it's like I always say, I'm amazed there's any refis happening. I'm amazed any deals fell through during the incredible hot housing market that we saw in the summer of 2021, but we did. And I was looking at the data, at least for the last about six, seven years. And I would say the average is about 13%. So we're talking big moves. I mean, so best case scenario, 
11%. Worst case scenario, we saw that April 2020, or excuse me, March 2020, 17.6%. But it looks like the average is around 13% with a room margin of error of about 1.5%. But it looks like about 13% is where that number is. So we, no doubt, are above that and outside of that zone. And I think people are looking at a lot of this data and people are starting to have second thoughts. The FOMO that really drove the ride up, I think is starting to wear off. And people are like, woo, actually, hold on. Maybe I'm glad we missed out. <laughs> or I don't want to get involved this quickly. And you know, they're wondering, could we see prices pull back? And he, here's the thing. Don't try and time the market. Just, just don't. It, it's not going to work. It never works. People were thinking the same thing back in March of 2020. They're like, whoa, hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to, you're going to see home prices collapse and forbearance and all, all of these theories out there about what was going to happen in the housing market. And none of it happened. And so it's, it's just, there's so many weird things happening in our economy. You know, we had that jobs report come out on Friday, surprised everybody. And it's like, we're in a recession, but we're creating almost 400,000 jobs a month. It's like, what? That doesn't make any sense. And there's a lot of things that are happening in our economy right now that don't make sense. And it's why it's making predictions about what is going to happen with the economy. Very difficult. I do not. <laughs> envy anyone having to make those predictions right now. But I do think people are starting to go, whoa, whoa, hold on. Maybe we shouldn't go forward. And we're seeing that. That's why the the um, you know deals falling through are rising. But that's what's going to happen. I mean, there's no doubt. People are very influenced by the media. And there's a lot of talk right now in the media about a cooling housing market, which I think for a lot of people, they think, oh, crash. Here comes the crash. And no one, no, well, some people are. So I saw one guy, one guy was calling for a crash. And I mean, he's got data and I look at it. I'm like, eh, you know, I could see where he's coming from. I mean, I think he's dead wrong. What's really funny though, and it's the guy, what's his name? His name's Nick something. And he's, he's got a consulting firm, real estate consulting firm. And it was funny because I was going back and watching some of his old, he's, he's got a very popular YouTube channel, much more popular than mine. And it was funny because he was talking about Austin, Texas and how you know, that's where the bubble's going to be. And oh my gosh, there's going to be a crash in Austin, Texas. And the Redfin report mentioned Austin, by the way. I mean, Austin's a very hot housing market and has been. But it was funny because I watched this video of him and I think it was like April 2021. And he was saying, because he was talking about he just moved to Austin. He's like, I'm not buying because the housing market's too hot. It's, it, we're, 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 we're almost at the peak. You don't want to buy at the peak. That's a bad time to do that. And that's where we are. And I was like, that was like 15 months ago, 16 months ago. Home prices in Austin are up like 35% since he made that. So, I mean, even if the market crashes, and let's say it crashes 25, 30%, which I think would be insane, you'd probably still be in positive territory if you hadn't listened to him and you bought in Austin in April of 21. Because I, I, I think home prices are up like 35, 40%. And so even if you saw a 30% drop, you'd still be in the green. <laughs> so be careful, right? Wasn't that, isn't that the, uh, that Boslemir song? It says, be careful with advice you buy and be patient with those who provide it. 
I think that's what it is. <laughs> so be patient with me. My advice is free. I give you free advice here. <laughs> All right, before we go, um, we all know that, remember, lumber prices were getting a lot of attention. Well, twice. I think it was like in the lead up to the hot housing market of the summer of 21 and then the lead up to the second hot housing market at the beginning of this year. And we just saw these big swings in the lumber markets. And so the CME group is rolling out a new lumber futures contract that is aimed at speculators, which is weird. You'd think they'd like want to get speculators out, but actually that's that's not the case because they need liquidity. They're trying to add liquidity to the market. So the Wall Street Journal reports that, quote, these new contracts will be fulfilled with a truckload of board instead of a rail car full, which is about one quarter of the volume of wood delivered to Chicago rather than a remote Canadian rail junction. So they're actually shrinking the amount of what these contracts are, which means more people can probably play in these markets. The changes are aimed at drawing home builders, sawmills, lumberyards, and speculators into a market that has limited participation. Greg Kuda of Westline Capital Strategies said that it won't necessarily take volatility out, but at the very least, you should see... At the very least, (laughs) all right, let's see if I can get this quote. It won't necessarily take volatility out, but at the very least, you should smooth out the peaks and the valleys. There we go. So they're trying to bring more money in because the more money you have in a market, the more stable it is. Because when you have few players and one player makes a move, the market will then see big swings one way or the other. So they're actually trying to bring speculators in to these lumber markets to try and stabilize things. See, speculators, they always get a very bad rap, right? These people who trade and try and make money and they don't actually need the product. They always get blamed. And here's a situation where they're actually trying to encourage those people to be in the market because it helps with liquidity. See, there is a reason for speculators. (laughs) All right, we got to go. You guys enjoy your Tuesday. We'll talk to you uh, Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday morning. There we go. That's the day after Tuesday. We'll talk to you Wednesday morning for another edition of Markets and Mortgages. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.